Hey, Fresh Capital listeners. In this episode, we are joined by Dr. Lily Sussman, the Chief Strategy Officer of Wiser, a leading Australian fintech company. You may have used Wiser's products to check your credit score or help pay off your debt. Wiser's mission is to help people make better decisions and improve their financial wellness. As the strategic lead at Wiser, Lily was the perfect person to talk to about conscious capitalism and how purpose simplifies strategy. With a career spanning banking, consulting, and a PhD at Harvard to boot, Lily's insights are a must-listen. Enjoy! Welcome to another episode of Fresh Capital. Every week we provide a refreshingly simple way to learn about companies and investing. My name is Dan and we're joined by a special guest, Dr. Lily Sussman, Chief Strategy Officer of Wiser. How are you, Lily? I'm awesome. I'm locked down, but I'm still good. How are you guys? <laughs> that is probably the best response you could have from someone in lockdown. I'm doing well. I'm joined by Albert as well. How are you doing? Good. I'm also locked in, but to be honest, not a bad thing. I've got a lot of books you can see behind me, but I bought a few books at the start of this, so good to get a bit of reading time. <laughs> this week, we're going to be discussing Wiser with Lily, but also diving in a little bit to Lily's background and how she's gotten to where she is. It's a fascinating career journey. I like to throw it to the guest. Lily, how would you introduce yourself and, and introduce yourself to the listeners? <laughs> um, well, um, first of all, uh, I love being here. I just love connecting with people. I think it's especially even more important during lockdown to just have chats with uh, as many people as possible. So thanks for having me. Um, I am the Chief Strategy Officer at Wiser. And I joined Wiser about um, getting on to almost a year ago now. Um, and before Wiser, I was the Chief Strategy Officer at Social Ventures Australia. And um, that is an organization that is a global leader in impact investing. It's the largest not-for-profit consultancy in Australia. And uh, it's also a social innovation engine for the system, focused on reducing social disadvantage. So I've done lots of different things in my career, I think, I'm one of those sort of, you know, love to work on different problems, um, switch different careers <laughs> uh, kind of people. So I don't know how to quite encapsulate kind of what I've done, but, you know, I've um, been an academic. I have done strategy consulting and you know, management consulting. I've done financial services. I've worked in a variety of different industries, um, healthcare, et cetera. So lots of different things, but I absolutely love purpose-led companies, and I love doing good things for the world. And that's actually what brought me to Wiser. That's a, a fantastic introduction because both Albert and I love the book Range, which is all about, you know, dabbling in various different uh, industries and sectors and then taking that experience to, to innovate. And I love how you teased out a common thread, which is, you know, purpose-led impact in communities and, and the world. I've watched a talk that you gave where you used the term sort of conscious capitalism. 
Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how that's an underlying thread in, in your career and your journey? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm really pleased to say I feel like the trend is kind of taking off. You know, the conversation around conscious capitalism, it was started by, um, well, it was really popularized by the founder of Whole Foods in the U.S. And there's so many, you know, there's he's written books and workbooks and there's conscious capitalism kind of societies all over the world. But at the basic kind of underlying heart of it, it's just the idea that, you know, capitalism can be a force for good, right? But you have to make it so. It doesn't naturally just be a force for good. You have to decide, mm. am I going to build the kind of company that is going to have a positive impact on the world? And, you know, it's kind of cool to get to realize that you, you can do that, right? You get to define your purpose. And um, I think there's more and more companies these days realizing that um, they can serve a higher moral purpose and that it's actually a better business model. There's so much evidence to show that it's a better business model these days. So I think at the core, really in a nutshell, it's just creating businesses that are good for the world. Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. And I think we see that a lot with a lot of emerging tech companies, especially with how they become so purpose-driven. I think if we think about Wiser, uh, can you talk a bit about Wiser's purpose uh, and their mission and what attracts you um, to join and lead a business like Wiser? Yeah, yeah. So I love Wiser because it's a purpose-led business. Um, the purpose is to improve financial wellness. And, you know, to me, that's quite exciting. I was quite excited when I thought about this problem because financial wellness is just one of those tricky, big, thorny problems in the world. You know, it, it isn't something that's super straightforward. It's like most people lack it, right? You're very often stressed about money. Many people feel like they don't have enough money. Money can be a source wound in a lot of people's lives. And it can keep you, it can keep you stressed, anxious. It can keep you from pursuing the career or the life goals you want. You often don't feel free because it's such a constraint. And then, you know, people will um, get into all kinds of trouble by kind of not um, really focusing very much on their own financial wellness. And, and it's not their fault. It's just, you know, we're not that educated about things like credit. So you might end up getting a loan when you need money based on some, you know, your friend telling you, oh, I got a loan with so-and-so, or, you know, I passed by this lender on the street. But then you ended up with a high interest payday loan, and then you can't get out from under it, you know, or, you know, you were young and you didn't really realize you shouldn't put, um, I don't know, like a huge trip on a credit card or a wedding on a credit card or whatever it is, because that's really high interest rate debt. And you're like, uh oh, I didn't realize that, you know, and now I'm in this position. Um, so I feel like financial wellness, it's it's a really multifaceted, complex problem. And it's subjective and it's objective. And there's so much around it to investigate and to improve on. And I, for me personally, I feel like the entire financial services industry is going to have to wrestle with this more, you know, thinking about providing financial wellness and financial health and not just financial services and products. So Wiser, I think, was very forward thinking in realizing that and thinking that's actually a really important purpose to serve in the world. And uh, so, yeah, me personally, I, I'm, I'm very passionate about the fact that Wiser has, is very clear that it's a purpose-led company and that's what we exist for. Mm. And with like big wicked problems like financial wellness, like how do you go about defining that, um, you know, to push the purpose forward with Wiser? 
Yeah, I think it's a good question. I mean, it's almost like purpose constrains your strategy, right? If you're a traditional financial services player and you're thinking strategy, you're thinking, okay, well, what are the ways in which you can create a commercial model and drive revenue, right? And so you're thinking, what products and services can I create that will help? If you're a purpose-led company, you think, okay, well, what's what's the problem for consumers and where can I make an intervention? Um, and if I made this intervention, would I actually be improving financial wellness? And you have to start somewhere, right? So Wiser started uh, by becoming a different kind of lender. We looked at the consumer finance market in Australia. We said, you know, one of the strengths of the Australian financial system is you've got like very strong, big, trusted banks and, you know, they, they you know, are, are better than a lot of the banks that were out there, as we witnessed in the GFC, right? But they don't have, there's not a lot of consumer choice and they're, they're quite expensive <laughs> and they're not, they don't have business models that are really aligned to driving financial wellness. So you end up with very expensive options for consumer credit and you don't end up with a lot of education and help and support around those credit options. So Wiser was started to say, let's offer fairer credit, cheaper rates, but a way better, more ethical kind of responsible experience where we're also educating people around credit and helping them understanding, helping them pay it back, you know, um, helping them like get out of really high interest rate debt and replace it with a kind of low interest debt that is transparent. So we sort of said, look, it's there's a real problem around expensive, opaque credit. So let's start with that, right? That's where we've started and we've built a financial wellness platform with various tools, including lending in it in the last five years. But I think we're just getting started. You know, we're, we're very cognizant that there's so much more to do around financial wellness. So I think the world is, uh, you know, it's a blue sky problem. Mm. I wanted to stay on this a little bit longer because I don't think it's apparent necessarily to everyone that you're almost shooting yourself in the foot to use that expression. If you're promoting financial wellness and you're you're actually helping your customers pay down their debt, that in some ways cuts across the, the way traditionally loaners would make money. So how did you deal with that tension, if there is that tension, from a strategy perspective? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of those like things you have to unlearn, mm. you know, those kind of like, yeah, it's true. I guess if you're a lender, you're not really incentivized to get people to pay back the loan because you want them to pay as much interest as possible. But, you know, we just think there's a different model where you can get more customers if you treat them better. You know what I mean? I think there's always a great business model when you align your interest to the interest of the customer. Like that's the kind of value that you should be creating. If you're creating value for them, you get to take a slice of that. So fundamentally, we just believe there's just a different model where you can you can really be a great lender and still make money and get the and and win the trust of your customers. So ultimately, I would challenge that thinking, and I would say the other way. It's the other way, right? The more you align your business model to serving the customer, the more successful you're going to be. And and you really pointed out the big kind of structural flaw in, um, I say the big four banks, but the retail banking system in Australia, where they're not necessarily aligned to a customer because traditionally they're focused on developing a product that aligns to, I guess, the vision and mission of creating more cash for the bank, but it's not necessarily aligned to the best interests of the customer itself. And that's partly due because there's that lack of purpose from those organizations. 
Yeah, you know, I wouldn't even say like I don't. You know, I spent years working at CBA, which is, I think, the big banks like most businesses are full of great human beings with the greatest of intentions. You know, I don't know if it's that like the leaders aren't purpose led. It's more, I think, more having to do with historic um, path dependency and business models and shareholders and what they expect. You know. Um, I think it's it's really tough to transition to a purpose-led model when you've got sort of a reputation to upkeep and a business model to upkeep that has to, you know, give certain dividends and so on, like, and the entire business is structured around product P&Ls, you know, so I don't think it's a lack of purpose or intention. I don't think it's like a, I wouldn't want to say that. I think it's full of wonderful humans trying to do wonderful things. I just think that business model constraints based on product P&Ls make it easier for fintechs, you know, and people building brand new business models, especially without legacy tech, to do more. Yeah, definitely don't want to say anything bad, though, about the bank. <laughs> no. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about the product, uh, because there was a fantastic story I came across, which, which you told, and I'm sure you could tell much better than me, but in bare bones, you know, Charles, a bus driver in Queensland, who wasn't loose with money. He was actually quite spendthrift in the way that he, he spent his money, but fell into a bad debt cycle. He had to repair his car. The car kept breaking down. He took out a loan to cover it. And it just created so much stress for him. And then in stepped Wiser, and you can probably pick up the story from there. You know, how does Wiser help people with, with loans? Yeah. So our biggest loan category is debt consolidation. You know, and that means taking someone who has high interest debt, usually of various varieties, like it might be credit card debt, payday loans, this and that, you know, higher interest personal loans, um, and saying, well, they're drowning in debt. Their debt has all this high compounding interest. They can't, they can't really get on top of it because the interest is so high. And can we consolidate, pay all of that off for them and just give them one low interest debt that they definitely can afford and can pay back and just puts them on a solid footing to get out of debt permanently and to kind of rebuild their financial health. Um, that's, you know, our biggest loan category. And I think it's just so common. And, you know, Wiser has a very prime borrower base. So there's just so many people. And I think it's just most people, right? Most people are good. They're not like irresponsible. They're not trying to overspend. They're just, they're trying to be responsible. But as I said, you know, a couple of being in a bind, like when your car breaks and you don't have the money and not being super educated about different types of credit means you might go out and like borrow kind of credit that has really high interest, but you're not, you didn't know that, you know? So lots of people end up in that position. They're no fault of their own. They're great borrowers. They, you know, very credit worthy. So I don't think Charles's story is unique. You know, there's so many Australians struggling with that and they should have a better alternative. So hopefully, you know, we provide that. Nice. That's a really nice story. Um, how have you seen kind of that uh, loan purpose change, you know, in the past, say, 18 months due to COVID? Oh, you know, it's a good question. I think one of the things that, I mean, we, we, we've grown kind of consecutively, right? Um loan origination. So COVID hasn't kind of affected us. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But um, I think in general, one of the things that really we got on top of is helping people, 
right? And really thinking carefully about what, how do you deal with things like financial hardship? You know, if someone's nervous, um, you know, they, they, their hours got reduced, you know, they're in a lockdown, they can't work, they can't service their loans, like, wh what do you do? And I think we've spent a lot of effort in paying attention to people one by one, really, and, and really, you know, doing that education, doing that support. Um, and that's really helped, you know, we've really effectively kind of helped people rebuild and find a way out of it. You know, I think one of the things we've learned is that it's it's definitely a lot worse if someone's in trouble and can't service their loan if they just ignore the problem, right? But if they actually call us and they call their lender and have a conversation and it's a good lender, like you will get help, you'll get relief, you know, there are options. Um, so I think that's one of the things that really comes into relief with COVID, right? Because it happens, like people might need to pause payments or they, they need to know their options. They need to. So that's one of the things we've concentrated on. Mm. So then when we talk about, I don't want to use too much consultancy language, but the, the funnel for Wiser, you know, how, how did Charles reach out to Wiser and get this assistance? Is it through a hotline? Is it through an app? Is it through word of mouth, social media advertising? How are you getting your, your customers in? Yeah, so I would say everything. I mean, we we obviously play in the competitive channels, you know, like brokers, um, you know, there are brokers all over Australia who have relationships with their clients um, and uh, can help them. Um, the regular direct competitive channels, you know, social, Google, all of those regular direct channels, as well as our own proprietary channel. Um, you know, people come to Wiser mm. and kind of check their credit scores, like learn about credit, um, pay down their debt through our app. So all of those channels, ones that we own, as well as ones we compete in with other lenders, people can kind of find out about Wiser. Yeah, that's the point I sort of wanted to transition to, which is this Wiser ecosystem or, or platform can you talk to us a little bit about that? You know, you have this app, you have a credit check um, sort of function, which, which users can log on to for free. How does that all connect together? Yeah, so, you know, we sort of set out to say, well, the whole experience around credit and knowledge of it and comfort with it is pretty low. So, I mean, that's why you end up with so much high interest debt that needs to be consolidated, you know? So we thought, well, why don't we try to even the playing field a bit between borrowers and lenders and help educate lenders about what it is that borrowers do and, and how, um, you know, credit decisions are made. So credit scoring just gives a level of transparency on what lending is all about and kind of gives people a bit of education around different types of credit and how to think about it. So that's one aspect of it. And we're the only credit scoring platform in Australia that will give you multiple bureau scores and really see where you stand. You know, you can come and check it for free anytime without hurting your credit score. Like we don't, you know, ding your credit score. Um, we help you protect it. And people that engage with um, our tools see their credit score go up. So like we help people get educated and then build their creditworthiness. And, um, you know, 
if you have debt that you want to pay off a little bit faster, you can use the Wiser app to do roundups and just use a behavioral hack to say, look, let me just give myself a little bit of an edge and pay off debt a little bit faster without even thinking about it. Um, that's sort of the, you know, the premise of uh, the app. So I think when we thought about all these, it's like, well, we want people to be educated about credit. We want them to be able to access fair, responsible credit that they can definitely afford, that puts them on a better footing. And we want them to be able to pay it off, right? So that's that's sort of our model, like to be that kind of lender. And that's why we've built all the things we have so that we can enable all of those pieces to fit together. I really like kind of this passive and active approach to this mission. So you talk about, um, you know, the app and doing roundups to help pay off debt, um, which is, I guess, a passive way of looking at it. Um, you talk about the educational piece around credit checks and you know a lot of my friends are university educated but you know trying to understand credit scores or whether we have credit scores in Australia it's it's such a convoluted process that is shrouded in like mystery and and it shouldn't be shrouded in mystery like from you know customer feedback um how do they respond to this transparency around credit checks and how easy it is to understand this process yeah I mean I think like with a big mix of emotions, as you can imagine. You know, we've got people checking their credit score. They're like, what the heck? You know, I didn't know this is, why is my credit score so low? And they get really angry <laughs> about it, right? Because it is angry making. It is it is not transparent. And, and they're like, I didn't know this. And wow, I had no idea that, you know, this little late payment would affect me in this way, you know, would affect my credit score in this way. I just... Well, I didn't know. Some people, it's even difficult to even just figure out your own debts, you know, and figure out your, see your credit worthiness. So I think it's quite brave to check in. You might get a lot of different emotions, but, but I think um, overall, you know, knowledge is power. And I think having the sort of courage to, to check it and to learn about it and to understand that it's totally in your control. Like you can do this, you know, it's an empowering thing. So I would say people have a mix of emotions, but it's uh, absolutely helpful. We've definitely seen, you know, the ecosystem profiles grow over time. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's helping people with their financial wellness. Yeah, I think I've seen your, the numbers actually keep changing, which is a great thing because they're all shooting up. But the latest number that I saw was around 500,000 profiles online, which is pretty stellar there comes a point where volume there's breaking points to it where it's like we've got this many people now we can do something differently has that been a conversation within wiser about we're growing so quickly what's our next sort of step what are we what are the new horizons we're going to look forward to oh absolutely absolutely uh you know i think we're a fast-growing tech business you know, so we're constantly thinking about, okay, what experiments can we run? How can we explore the customer need of financial wellness in a different way? Um, so I think there's constant sort of innovation exercises going on. Yeah, I mean, you're certainly going to see things come out of Wiser in the coming years. Um, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's happening all the time. I mean, one of the things that we did lately, which you've seen was announced, was the strategic partnership with Arbor. Mm. Um, Arbor is a EU fintech, and we formed a partnership with them because we were thinking, you know, 
we've kind of proven out in Australia that combining really responsible, fair, good lending with financial wellness tools um, really helps and is a good scalable strategy. So when you have a good working strategy, you think, well, how can I replicate that? How can I use that to expand and grow? And so one of the low cost ways to do that is to do that in another market and through a strategic partnership. So we said, well, you know, the EU is obviously a much bigger addressable market. Uh, financial wellness is as much a need, if not more, probably more there than here in Australia. And where can we find a purpose aligned fintech that's doing the same thing that we are, you know, same purpose, but with complementary tools and complementary offerings. So what we've done is created a set of options for us to invest into um, this fintech that has a proprietary app that does a whole bunch of things. It helps people pay off debt faster. It helps people save. It helps sweep those savings into micro-investing. And they're now moving into, kind of with our help, moving into uh, credit card refinancing. So there's tons and tons of high-interest credit card debt. Um, and um, it's, it's sort of uh, like not, they don't have balance transfer infrastructure the way we do here too. So people actually get stuck mm -hmm. with this high interest rate debt, even more so than here, not just through lack of education, but through like, just they literally can't get rid of it. And so it's a really great opportunity to help people improve their financial wellness by combining all of these financial wellness tools in a variety of ways with a lending offering. So by collaborating with them on that, you know, helping them grow that, that's kind of another strategic avenue for us. So things like that, you know, whether it's strategic partnerships in other markets, whether it's Greenfield Innovation here, we'll continue to do all of that. There was one innovation that Albert and I were sort of scratching our heads on. Uh, and in keeping with our podcast, we're hoping you could explain it in a refreshingly simple way. Recently, Wiser's switched up its revenue model um, and as we understand it, that's to do with loan warehousing. Could you just break that down a little bit about what is that? How is Wiser now sort of changing its revenue model to be more profitable? Yeah. Okay. So I think what you're talking about is um, basically the cost of funds. Yep. Right. And, and yeah. So what one of the cool things that we did this year is... Um, we securitized out our loan assets, mm -hmm. right? Which means we put it on the capital markets, the institutional market for institutional investors to buy as an asset. And we had Moody's come and rate that asset for us. And Moody's rated that asset AAA, which is basically unheard of in the fintech space. And that's because of our model, right? It's because we have really prime borrowers and, you know, Prime borrowers still need good, responsible, fair credit, right? They still need debt consolidation. They still need um, just fair, good credit. And so Moody's basically looked at the whole of our business as well as the quality of the loan book and said, you know, this is a really good business. This is a really good pool of assets. And so they gave it a triple A. So that enabled us to go and securitize it out, which basically lowers like how much equity we need to put in into our funding, lowers the cost of funding. It improves the overall economics. And it more importantly, it just gives us the ability to scale, right? We can now 
Like, you know, we had a $300 million or so warehouse from NAB, like, but now we can just write more loans because we can securitize them out and, and just refresh that space. So we have a line of loan capital that will help that was basically, you know, completely open now. So we've moved one of the big constraints to our growth, which is just a great feeling. And I think the AAA rating is a huge testament to what the team has achieved. You know, I, I think it tells a story of the kind of business that we are and why we're different. Because a lot of fintechs have competed as non-bank lenders by, you know, moving up and down the risk curve in a different way or playing in pockets of risk that the banks won't do. And, and that's not really our model, right? We're trying to say, you know, we're just a better alternative to the core kind of prime customer. So we are trying to take share off the big banks where um, the consumer deserves better. Hmm. And that was a, a true fresh capital, very simple way to understand warehousing. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, the other really exciting thing that, you know, in our research has come up was the recent um, Goldman Sachs raise. Um, can you talk a bit more about um, that, the process, um, and how exciting that is for Wiser? Oh, yeah. You no, know, it's really exciting. I think for us to have Goldman Sachs in our corner, you know, is another just boost, you know, to the fact that they believe in our purpose-led model. And, um, you know, I think Goldman Sachs was just a, such a pleasure to work with on the capital raise. You know, they're so professional, so thoughtful, so supportive. Um, you know, they underwrote the raise. Um, we kind of raised around $50 million. We're just very, very grateful to have their support. Um, and uh, it's been a very kind of successful process the last couple of weeks. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah, congrats. I wanted to sort of take a step back now from Wiser and look more at the Australian sort of fintech industry because you, you must have great insights into it as, as an observer, someone of international uh, perspectives as well. Um, what have you seen as happening in Australia's fintech space? I think from more of a ground level, you know, I see Afterpay, I see a lot about the buy now, pay later sector. Um, there was a recent neobank, I think it was, it was Ninja, wasn't it, that, that unfortunately sort of failed? Shinja, yeah. Shinja, that's right. So that, there's a lot to deal with there, but how would you describe the, the fintech industry uh, to just an ordinary person at the moment? Yeah, I do think, you know, Australia is a little bit behind the UK, US markets in terms of fintech development. Um, you know, that's partly because of uh, our regulatory framework and just how strong the big banks are, which, as I said, you know, is a positive too. Um, I think the environment that we operate in with these big incumbent banks and with very tight regulations, it's a constraint and it's an opportunity, you know, because there's not that much competition. Uh, but yeah, I think the US, for example, has such a fragmented banking landscape and always has. And with that, there's so much legacy and there wasn't great consumer experiences from banking. And so there's just so much room for fintech innovation. And there's been fintech innovation on a lot of different fronts, especially the wealth front um, in the US as well, with like the Betterman's Wealth Front and Robinhood and financial systems innovation, I think is further ahead there. And I think business model innovation is further ahead there in the US as well. 
Um, and also the U.S., because of the regulations, like there's a lot more you can do around subprime customers. And there's also a lot more subprime customers. So there's a lot of business models are possible in the U.S. in fintech that are not possible in Australia, both because of the competitive structure and regulation. Albert, you're looking like you want to jump in. <laughs> uh, it's funny, I, I wrote my um, law thesis back in the day on kind of um, regulation in the financial services sector. Um, so this kind of speaks to my heart. Do you see this uh, kind of changing and shifting um, in Australia as kind of fintech and that financial services space becomes more mature globally and Australia kind of catches up? Or do you see that environment kind of staying static? Oh, well, I mean, you know, we live in a world where innovation is it's a must. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, that's the essence of uh, fast moving capitalism. So I absolutely expect Australia to continue to um, play hard in fintech and continue to evolve. I think it's just opportunity for us that we can learn from other markets. You know, I, I yeah, we're a bit late and slow with open banking. Um, you know, regu but regulation will continue to evolve as well as technology and business models evolve. So I think there's tons and tons of opportunity ahead in terms of um, reinventing fintech and reinventing financial services. You know, I wouldn't be in this role if I didn't think that. Um, I think in the past, you've seen a lot of sort of efficiency, convenience, price, financial system innovation. These, these are the ways that people have been trying to innovate around financial services and products. Um, but I think as you go into the future, you'll see a lot more kind of behavioral finance. You know, there's so much research that shows consumers really lack knowledge and support when it comes to being discerning consumers on the demand side of the equation, there's just absolutely tons of room for invention. You know, the whole industry has that opportunity to think a lot more about financial wellness and add value in a different way to consumers. And I think you're going to see more and more of that over time. I, I'm curious what you think about one of the things that I think is a strength of the big four banks and ComBank comes to mind particularly, maybe it's because of their, their advertisements and marketing, but the idea of you can walk into a branch and someone's going to meet and greet you within sort of five seconds and ask you, you know, how they can help. Is that something that's going to be lost or at the very least modified if we're now dealing with online platforms, digital apps, these sorts of things? which absolutely have their place and their use cases, can, I guess, that home-style uh, comforting presence be brought over to digital apps and some of the new fintech uh, innovations that we have as well? Yeah, to a degree. I think, I mean, you've seen, like, uh, CBA do that, right? They've moved so much um, communications into app and online and digital channel, voice channels, um, you know, face-to-face -face channels, I think they're, they still have their use. You know, it's like the, the old conversation of retail, like brick and mortar or digital. It's like omni-channel, both, right? There's always a place for it. It's different customer segments, different use cases. So there's no one answer to, you know, is one channel better than the other. But I think the economics of digital are, you know, frequently better. And to the extent that something works almost just as well or better in digital, you would do that. So I would just expect to see a mix of channels. But I think there's lots of stuff that you can do digitally that um, that will continue to drive kind of the importance and the growth of digital. Nice. I think um, I might quickly just change gears for a second here. You know, we talk a lot about Wiser as a business. As I wanted to really get your view about 
you know, working at Wiser, you know, as I was reading the annual report, I saw an ENPS score of, I think, 95, which I thought was incredible. You know, what's it like to work at a, a business like Wiser where everyone's so purpose-led um, day-to-day? What does that look like from, you know, the people around you and then the kind of activities that you execute on? Yeah. See, this is like my favorite kind of thing to talk about. So I love this question. <laughs> um, one of the things that I just immediately felt was different about Wiser was when I joined and, you know, I've, I've done a lot of different industries and different organizations, walked into different organizations. And I usually go in and sort of take a look around and assess, you know, what do I think about the business model? What do I think about what's going on? What do I think about the culture and just observe. And when I got into Wiser, you know, one of the things I felt immediately was how open everyone was, you know, everyone was like, so what do you think? What do you really think? You know? And I would say critical things, right? I, I, I'd be honest, right? And usually people might um, have a bit of a defensive reaction or, you know, I <laughs> have to really temper what I say and think really carefully about how, how, I, how I, you know, share my observation on something. But at Wiser, I just felt very quickly that I could be completely honest. And the response that I got if I said something like, you know, guys, I, I'm not sure this is working. Honestly, like, here's what working looks like. And here's where your metrics are. To a response like that, I would sometimes get defensiveness, but not at Wiser. You know, what I got very apparently in my first few weeks was almost the opposite. It was like, oh, wow, that's a great observation. Okay, that's great. You know, then we can work on it. And so it was just this sort of openness, which means that there was a level of psychological safety. Like there was this level of we're not going to be blamed and judged for doing things that aren't, you know, that aren't up to scratch. Like we're cool with it. You know, we're happy to be, have this pointed out. So that's a massive, massive win for a culture. You know, if you want to build uh, any kind of innovation driven business, any kind of just fabulous business to work in, you have to have that authenticity and that psychological safety. And I, I definitely feel like being a purpose led company is core to that. You know, because you don't have to pretend that you're businessy. You don't have to pretend that you're, I don't know, like a corporate animal, which, you know, many people, I mean, not very many people are. Like, we're just humans, right? We're trying, we're trying to live a good life and, like, feel good about what we do. So having a purpose-led company, I think, just gives you permission to be a human. And that really helps the conversation. And then I do think we work a lot really consciously on building that kind of safe culture, that open culture. And that's why you see the high ENPS. You know, it's something that you've got to just really care about and build. So that's one of my favorite things about Wiser. That's one of my favorite parts about my role, um, how to kind of support that and nurture that culture. Yeah, it's it's incredible. And I, I love that it was reported in an annual report, you know, in the first couple of pages, because I, I think it's both so incredible and so understated as a part of what makes a great place to work is from culture perspective, but also signaling out to the market, like this is an incredible business to be a part of because um, of the people. So, yeah. I think that's a a great place for us to finish up on, a very positive note. Um, Lily, is there anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up? I mean, not really. I just want to thank you guys for having me on. I think it's, it's so fun for me to get to talk about Wiser. I just love it as a workplace. I think I really want to say you know, to the rest of the industry, you know, whether it's investors looking at fintech or it's, um, you know, other people in fintech or people interested in fintech or tech broadly, 
I think that sometimes we're just afraid to let ourselves be emotional, moral creatures. And I feel like having the courage to let yourself be that is going to be the next wave. You know, there's just more and more consciousness and people caring about, you know, the planet, caring about each other, caring about diversity, quality, doing good in the world, having your business really solve a genuine, deeper problem that helps people and not just a immediate convenience problem that ultimately doesn't help them. I think there's, there's so much room to actually just build businesses that we feel awesome about in a deep way. And I would just say, hey, everybody out there, you know, like don't settle for less. Like don't work for a company that you're not passionate about. You know, don't set up a business that isn't purpose-led. Like just, you can have it all. (laughs) That's what I want to say. Uh, My message is you can have it all and you're going to feel great doing it because it feels awesome to do the right thing, to give yourself permission to do that. And I think there's this old notion in capitalism of like, no, we just exist to make profits. That's the kind of 1980s Milton Friedman model of the world. It's just not the model of the world anymore. You know, we're so much more evolved than that. And it's actually much more like, you know, helping to serve human flourishing. That's where you're going to make money. Like that's where capitalism can and ought to and should head and makes everybody feel better along the way when you do that. So I would just say, I hope that more and more people give themselves the permission to build purpose-led companies. Hear, hear. Thank you, Lily, for coming on. We, we really appreciate it and really glad to have your, your insights and perspectives. To everyone listening, thank you for listening to Fresh Capital, a podcast about companies and investing told in a refreshingly simple way. Please support our podcast by rating it five stars on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen. Every follow and rating really helps us out. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fresh Capital. Every week, we provide a refreshingly simple way to learn how companies operate and how investing works. Just a reminder, all information contained in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional, financial, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Fresh Capital are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Any opinions expressed in the show are not recommendations or advice. Please consult a licensed financial professional before you jump in. As always, we look forward to seeing you next week. See ya.